Welcome to the Nurture Hub Pregnancy and Birth Podcast with your hosts, Shari Lyon and Nicola Lay. Together, we bring over 30 years of experience in working with women and partners through education, breathing, mindfulness, and evidence-based information, and nurturing you through this transformation into motherhood. Join us on this journey as we connect with women and partners, mentoring, supporting, and navigating the ups and downs of becoming parents. Welcome to episode 11, where myself, Nicola Lay, and Shari Lyon are interviewing Ross Murray from More Time Financial. So grab your paper and your pen and come into this episode with open ears. I have been working with Ross as my personal financial coach for the last three years, and his work has been a game changer for me. So that's why I'm so excited that he's on here today, sharing his wise wisdom and his great advice about how to take control of your money. And often when we're planning a pregnancy or we're in a pregnancy or we even have small children, we're not always educated on our financial future. And it's definitely something that we either avoid or we don't realize what to do with our money. And the great thing about working with Ross and more time financial is that they have given me education they've helped me to take control of my money and improve my lifestyle and they work virtually with clients across the whole of the country providing advice and coaching and management programs for all of their clients so if you are wanting to ask ross a question after this episode head to the bottom of the notes in the show notes and reach out to him so sit back enjoy and yeah absorb the information the reason that I've brought Ross on today with myself and Shari is because he has literally turned our lives from being really um, childlike in our spending <laughs> and almost um, awkward with having conversations about money and not knowing what to do with it. Uh, we were both in, that was probably the only thing that we had in our relationship that kept coming up for us was the money issues and not knowing how to, to push past all, all the, how you save to, you know, spending too much money or just not knowing really. So Ross has completely re-educated us and adulted us into money and finances. So we brought him on today because I felt that it was important part of becoming a parent and in your pregnancy journey, if I'd known this, this what I know now through Ross at the beginning or in my planning to become pregnant, I think that our lives would be in, you know, incredibly different. So we often don't think about investing in having a financial coach or a financial planner because we don't really see it as a necessity. But for me, now I know what I know. I wish that we had invested in this advice a long, long time ago. And that is why I feel that it's super important to, to have these discussions today. Mm. So welcome. Welcome, Russ. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me on board and thanks for the, the kind words. It's been, I've enjoyed obviously working with you and, you and Anthony and yeah, love what, I do, love what I do. So I'm happy to share. Cool. Awesome. I definitely feel like I'm going to learn a lot from this because <laughs> yeah, I, you're so right, Nicola, because money is, it really is sometimes comes like with, with relationships. It, it's really one of the, the main um, factors of, of disagreements mm. of, um, you know, even, um, you know, when you feel like, I know as, as, as a female feel, feeling like, am I contributing enough to the family, mm. especially when we're having, we've had our baby and we have to take time off work. There's like, as much as we are at home looking after the kids, there's like, there's so many emotions and feeling attached to money, isn't mm. there? And a lot and of stress. Yeah. And a lot of grief of not earning your own money when you're a mum when you're going into pregnancy. Mm. So Ross, like what would you find are the biggest money issues that you see with parents or, um, or couples or even single parents um, planning to bring a child into our world? I think it's re regardless of, of where people are in terms of whether they're starting a family or they're single or relationship, whatever their um, current situation is, everything that you've just said is rampant across all of our lives. So we don't get a formal education about money. Um, and there's, you add that on top of the taboo 
and the st stereotypes around money. And it just comes together in this perfect storm of we don't know enough about it. So generally, if we don't know about something, we avoid it or we fear it. And then when we fear something, we try to avoid it. <laughs> so it's our brain telling us to, to don't go there because it's uncomfortable and it's scary. So we don't know enough about it. We avoid talking about it. And there's the taboo of we, we shouldn't talk about it. Um, so then you add all these things together and then that's just our own lives and our own beliefs and our own ed education about money. Mm. So then you add someone else in a relationship and then you've got all their baggage and all their beliefs and all their family history and it just comes together. Um, and then obviously when you want to try and bring someone, bring start a family or bring, bring a new baby into the world, then you need to sit down and say, well, one, how are we going to, what does parenting mean? How does, what does that look like on the parenting side? But then we've got this money thing that we need to talk about as well, that if you haven't resolved those issues yet personally before you bring a baby into the world, we can, you can start to see how quickly money becomes one of the leading causes of divorce and stress and relationship breakdown, um, not only in Australia, but I think it's probably across the world. It's pretty unanimous, one of the, the leading Absolutely. causes of, of those issues. And you're right. I think we've really like you know we've been conditioned really since the time we were children from with beliefs around money mm. from our own parents so what Definitely. we have seen may not have been a good example that's all we know and then that's then we move into our relationships <laughs> in in that way but yeah then you you have your partner which who may be very different so so true and it's like never anything really that you think of well mm. I never did um but yeah, definitely. I think for me, I, I remember my mum and dad saying, yeah, money grow, doesn't grow on trees and you can't just have what you want and we don't have enough money. And that was such their money story. Lack. It still is, mm. their, their lack of. And yeah, yeah that, that exact that fear, I, I know that Ross knows this about me, but when I, it's like a thing that's happened to me in the past from losing a lot of money um, when I lived in the UK. But if I get nervous about money and I know that I'm frightened, I'll start to put the, the bills in the drawer and hope that they go away. Yeah. yeah. And I know lots of people do that. Yeah. I've always gone in with my head in the sand. I've never wanted to look at my accounts. Mm -hmm. I, my husband, like I was like, if anything goes wrong, it's his, it's his fault because he manages it. But um, I've definitely done, done a lot of work in the last 12 months with money blocks and things like that. So I'm really starting to, yeah, I think kind of shift. But just, I think there's a lot more. You just raised a really good point there about saying, well, my husband will, will manage it. And it's, you usually find that that's the case in most relationships, that it's not necessarily a husband or a wife thing. It's usually one person is in control and the other person just follows along. Mm. Um, and that, again, which starts to cause some issues of, well, no, you were worrying about it or she was worrying about it, he was worrying about it. It's not my problem. It's like, well, no, that's, it's an us problem or it's an us thing. So we both need to obviously be in this thing together. Absolutely. Um, and not not try and point the finger um, because it is, it's the, honestly, if you're trying to think about one situation in your life that doesn't revolve around money in some degree. Mm -hmm. And I hate, I hate that that's the case, mm. but it, it, it's just obviously a fact of, of life that almost, almost every single decision we make has some sort of financial implication um, involved, involved in it. And obviously, raising a family and having a child is there's obviously a big, big financial um, consideration to, to take in, take on board. Yeah, it's huge. And I don't even think that when you fall pregnant, you realize the severity and, and hugeness of bringing a life into the world and what it's going to, to actually cost you mm. in the future um, to be able to support this child, educate the child, like keep a roof over their head. And that's where too, like, well, I think we're at the perfect time to actually mm. talk to you as well with this global pandemic of, you know, with people losing their jobs and going into this whole, well, some people have, have lost possibly, you know, all their work, both parents. Mm. And so now relying on, on the government to support them like that, that would be so hard right now. So like, yeah. I guess like what, what advice could you give parents like right in this moment with everything going on to, to help them, I guess, have some faith that things can come back. Yeah. Um, I think the, the number one starting point, um, again, regardless of, of where you are, but if we think about, in a uh, for new, new parents um, or recent, recently new parents is just trying to figure out first and foremost, where you, 
currently are financially? Like, what is your current financial position? Because we, like, I find the people that I work with and people that I talk to, it sounds like a simple question of like, where are you financially? But we don't often take the time to figure out exactly where we are right now because obviously we've got so many other things happening in our life that it's easy to just put it, as Nicola said, put it in the drawer or just forget about it or avoid it. Um, but number one is where are, you, uh, where are you right now financially? So what is your income? Down, down to the dollar. Now, now, most people probably have a good idea of what they earn. If they're self-employed, it might be a little bit different, but most people have a pretty good grasp of what they earn. So then we've got to move to, okay, what does it cost you to live? What are your expenses? Now, most people say, oh, it's $500 a week here, $1,000 like a week here. It's like, no, what, is, what are you exactly, what are your exact expenses? So what are your income? What are your exact expenses right now? What are your debts? What debts do you have? Credit cards, personal loans, tax debt, home loans, car loans. Write them down. How much do you owe on them? What are your minimum repayments? What are your interest rates? What's the latest statement? And that's part of like what Nicola said, being like start adulting because it's usually one of the last things we do um, regardless of our age. It's a lot, kind of our last, the last step to put in place of, okay, we get a good job, maybe buy a house and we feel like we've got things going. And for most people, their finances are the last kind of bucket mm. to tick off because it's usually the hardest. Um, so what do you have in debts? What do you have in savings? Do you have any investments? Do you have shares? Um, do you have any superannuation? Do you have any insurance policies, car, car insurance, health insurance? Um, just getting a really good grasp of where you are right now is usually the first step because that then just gives us the foundation of, of where do we actually, okay, what steps do we need to take next? But we can't go to that next step until we get a really good grasp on that right now. Mm, that's great. I love that. So what would you say are like the stages to get financially ready or plan with having a baby and raising a child and all those costs? So like I said, that, that would be step number one of, of where you are right now financially. And obviously everyone's going to be different. Um, some people are going to be single, some people are in, in a relationship, some, some people might be getting support from loved ones or who, it, that's what makes obviously my job really interesting because every single person that walks in the door or that I speak to is completely different. Yeah. So number one, finding out exactly where you are right now. And then number two, just like I'm sure you go through with your clients by having, I'm sure most people have a pregnancy plan or some sort of birth plan is having like, we hope they do. <laughs> we, hope they, we hope they do. <laughs> is setting, setting a, like a baby plan or setting a financial plan of, okay, what does this actually look like? What, what do we want this, this whole thing to look like financially? Do we, obviously, one of the big ones is, do we go public? Do we do, do we go private? Yeah. That's, I'm sure you have those conversations. Um, are we, do we want to take six months off? Do we want to take 12 months off? Do we want to take 24 months off? Yeah. Um, is it just the mum that wants to take time off? Do we want to allow that the dad can have more than the two weeks that the government gives him yeah. off? Um, or both parents, whatever the relationship um, relationship is. Um, just trying to, when you start to figure out those goals and what those things look like, then we can start to piece those um, piece the puzzle together financially. Um, I know another one that seems to pop up a lot, which is an interesting one, is people taking holidays before a baby arrives, um, <laughs> which sometimes it's, a nice holiday a weekend away other times it's an overseas holiday to France or somewhere so it's just trying to obviously figure out what is this what does this thing look like financially or what are, what are the goals we have and then we can start to work backwards of saying okay well if we do want to take 12 months off what does that mean for us and our personal situation again coming back to the fact that everyone's different I'm sure you you both see it in the work that you do where there's a lot of opinions of a lot of you should or you must or you have to do these things. Um, so we're just trying to figure out exactly where are you financially, what does it cost you to live, um, what do you want for your family or child or um, your financial baby plan. Um, and then once we have those two things of where we are now and where we want to be, then we can actually start to put a financial plan in place to figure out how we're going to connect those dots and what work needs to be done. Mm, 
And what would you say, uh, do you know what kind of costs it is to, to bring a baby? I think I saw some sort of figure of the first year of baby, a baby arriving, how much that costs. But I think it was US, so it's pretty different to here. But do you know what those kind of costs, those costs roughly are? I don't have an exact figure, but generally speaking, probably looking at the same, the same articles that you were, mm. um, the, I think the estimates are around about ten to $15,000 in initial baby costs. Yeah. So that's clothing, redoing the nursery, um, equipment like strollers, prams, mm. car seats, furniture, all those, all those kind of initial outlays. Um, so they're obviously, that's a big, pretty big cost to begin with. Like that's, that's just getting things started. Um, so I would put that as kind of step one of the initial, the initial baby costs of, of, of the initial outlay of what we need to try and plan for. Mm. Um, now, the, obviously, the biggest thing that I would say in all of this is the sooner we can start this process, the better. I'm, I'm well aware that people don't always have the foresight of, okay, in 12 months, we have a baby coming. This is the <laughs> that it's going to come. Like we know we've got 12 months to plan for this thing. Obviously, there's different stages of, of where people come on this, um, this journey, I guess. So just being obviously mindful of that. But I think estimate being between ten dollars and $15,000 of initial baby costs of just things that we need to buy. And I'm sure you, you both would have a bit more experience than me in this, this department <laughs> in terms of the, um, the costs of things. I think for Shari and I both, I think we share a shared, uh, you know, a vision of that. We both didn't buy the brand new expensive cots. I got as much as I could secondhand. Um, and I spent the money on my education of how to birth my babies rather than, and I didn't do, you know, private, but that was a choice that we had because we didn't have health insurance. But mm. yeah. what do you that, think? Yeah, there, there is such a, there can be, you know, you can spend thousands of dollars on, you know, a cot nursery, that kind of mm. thing. Or you can really like what's it? I guess that's true. It comes down to the individual, like what's important to them, what, what's you know. And for me, like I was the same. I had this, <laughs> you know, if I wanted to do this five hundred and fifty dollars hypnobirthing course, like I had to, because we did we did the trip. We were away for four years. <laughs> it was a big holiday before that's we what, had babies, yeah. and we came back and within three months fell pregnant. So I had absolutely no money. We we're living with my parents. It was it was quite a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did. We didn't have the money to buy that mm. that you know designer pram or or mm. things like that. But for me, that for me personally, that wasn't important. Like no. I put my cot for fifty dollars, but yeah, for me, it was the experience that I wanted to invest that money into. Mm. Um, and you look, you can do both, obviously, and it does then come down to I guess what you can afford, what you have. Um, but there's such a yeah, there's so like you could buy a pram for fifty dollars, oh. or you can spend a thousand dollars on oh, a pram. Oh, and yeah. um, <laughs> and I think too, what what we kind of see as well is, you know, there's very much when it when you're becoming a parent, it can feel like you know keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, like 100%. I've got a, I I need to have that bugaboo pram over mm. that Target pram, which does the exact same thing. It holds <laughs> your baby and pushes your baby, so you don't have to carry. But there's that mm. that um i don't know what's it's, a com- it's it, mum competitive oh, yeah it, that competitive journey yeah it? <laughs> it is um and that can get really hard that can yeah, actually can. be really hard for them to go yeah oh, i couldn't afford that and mm. here i am going to these mothers groups and then there's all these women with these They're beautiful prams yeah. um so it yeah you're right like money can be even like feeling a, a feeling of status and, and yep. what, what, but you can still give your baby the exact same love and support without the money. Like, um, but there is definitely, uh, as soon as you become a parent, this feeling of I've got to get the best and be the best. Mm. Um, I, I like those, those two words of, of you must, or you should. And, yes. and that goes through pretty much our entire lives. But yeah. I see that especially, um, yeah, around, how you should or how you must raise your child or what you must give them or yeah you must because yeah, obviously there's a lot of companies and people trying to take your money and they do a fantastic job of marketing oh <laughs> birth and babies are a big business like <laughs> big business mm. um and you're right even right down to the care you know private versus public 
you know, there's this, mm. I don't know. That's a big, that's a big cost. That's extra huge. Yeah. 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 And I think also it's that, that once you had your baby and you've got to return to work, then what happens with the childcare? And mm. I think depending yeah. on where you are in Australia or around the world, the, the, the rates vary. That's don't a huge they? stress. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah, I went back to work earlier than what I would have wanted to because financially, like we had to. So there, there is this pressure as well, especially on on new mums that it'd be amazing to have 12 months off, mm. but financially we weren't going to survive. Yeah, we so I had to make those sacrifices mm. of being with my baby all day, feeding my baby all day. And I had to stop breastfeeding, which was really heartbreaking for me because I had to go back and I worked... Mm. I worked in a bar as a new mum uh, with, you know, and left my child at five months old, which wasn't, but I did what I had to do to make sure that we could pay our bills. And yep. many of us will, will always do, do that for, for our families and for our children, but it doesn't really make it any easier or less stressful um, on you as a couple to kind of mm. feel like you, you have to go back to also provide for your family as well, because my husband just what with our mortgage and everything like that, we wouldn't have been able to survive. So there's lots of pressures, huge pressure. Mm. I think that that comes back to the first two things that I said of working out exactly where you are financially and then working out, okay, what, what are the, the goals and the dreams of what we would like? So as you said, maybe it's 12 months off it's or 24 months off or, or whatever the situation is. But what brings it back to reality is your current financial situation. You say, okay, well, ideally I'd like to take 12 months off. Okay, what's actually realistic here? Like what, are we, mm. what can we actually afford? Yeah. Um, and obviously then a lot of the times people add that extra stress of going into debt to, as you said, keep up with the, the Joneses or I like to say <laughs> keeping up with the Kardashians now. Um, yes. So it's people going into debt to then obviously that adds that, that stress more and more. So it's just, it's just been super, super clear on what do we actually want for us? Take everyone else's opinions out of it, um, everyone else's judgment out of it of what, what do we actually want and what's actually um, feasible or what's actually affordable given our current financial situation. I think what I've loved about working with you, Ross, is that you give us an allowance that we can literally just have and spend. So there's no that scarcity mindset where we don't have anything. Like now, you know, as you know, my husband, Anthony, likes to spend money on surfboards. So now he knows that when that, when that's, and that's gone, that's gone. Like, you know, <laughs> and for me, I now don't feel, there's a real thing that happened to me when I had the girls was that my children is that I actually felt really awkward saying, can I have money to go and get my hair cut? Yes. And it came like quite a big thing for me. Like, oh, and I, I'd wait three or four days and go, oh, I wonder if I can find someone cheaper. And, oh, this is like $300. I'm going to have to ask. Because they're the ones working and earning the money while we're at home. So you kind of feel like it's not yours and you're not doing the work. There is. That's so true. So Ross has really given that freedom now for me to go, there it is. I'll just get get my hair cut. (laughs) Because it's our money. Yeah, because it's ours. That's right. So Mm -hmm. it's been a real re-education. He's like being like a financial (laughs) counsellor. That's part of the job. (laughs) So what's your, you know, like moving on from that? Um, is there anything you want to add to that about future education and, and, and mat leave? Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of things that, that I kind of see. Is, I, I broke it down of there's kind of the four different stages that, I've, mm. that I see in terms of costs. So as we said, that first initial cost of initial outlay um, of clothing, nurseries, formula, um, quite, like every, everything to do with the, the initial, obviously, before the baby comes mm-hmm. or getting prepared for that. Um, then I see... There's the pregnancy costs, which, again, I'm sure um, you girls might be a bit more equipped to, to answer some of these, but um, the pregnancy costs of going to classes, um, getting a pregnancy coach, doing going to the doctors, all those checks and everything that needs to happen. Um, and I think there's, there's two things there. There's, there's actual the physical cost and then there's the time factor as well that mm. obviously not everyone can just take a, like a day a week off to go to a doctor's appointment or if um, the wife or the girlfriend wants wants their partners to come along, then there's obviously two people taking some time off work. Yeah. So there's just those little things that need to be considered. Um, and then as you said, the, the public versus private, that's going to be a big a big difference in, in costs, especially if you don't have um, private health insurance. 
Um, if, if your goal or you want is to go private, then obviously that's going to be a large, a large cost. Um, most insurance companies don't, don't they, sorry, they do have a 12-month um, pregnancy exclusion. Yes, and you have most, to pay more for that. So, yeah, yeah. You, you have to plan it ahead. Twelve, mm. And that's what we didn't have, which was a blessing in the end. But, um, yeah, so there is, then they charge you more. So you are, you are still paying. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, again, in, in hindsight, like, ideally it's, okay, we know the baby's coming this time. We're going to make sure we've got the insurance to cover it. But, obviously, life doesn't go that way. So it's just being mindful that, um, if you are thinking or you wanting to maybe start planning for a baby, that there's the insurance side of it that you can, there's things you can do around that as well. Um, and again, the cost of those things can obviously range from next to nothing up to probably $20,000 $20, in, yeah, in, yeah. on, on, on the other side once you add in all the classes and doctor's mm-hmm. appointments and everything. Um, then the next step that I see is around the maternity leave, which we've, we've touched on a little bit. But again, just trying to figure out what what does this actually look like? Is it taking the 18 weeks off work um, that the government um, gives you gives you support for, or is it you want to take longer off work? And obviously, there's no right or wrong answer uh, in terms of what you want to do, but it's just trying to plan ahead for what that actually looks like financially. And we can't make those decisions until we come all the way back to step number one of what is your current financial position. So. Not everyone likes the word, but having a budget in place or a spending plan in place mm. of what can you actually afford to do. Um, so one of the things that I like to do with, with some of my clients when, we, when they're thinking about or they maybe a couple of nine, nine months away or eight months away from having a baby is if we, we've got two working, um, two working couples, oh, sorry, a working couple, what if we took one income away? What does that do to our budget? And we can start to have that or run that scenario of, okay, if we took your entire wage away and we're only on one wage, how does that actually look like? What does that look like in our budget? Um, And then we can start to get a sense of, okay, well, maybe we can afford to take 12 months off. Or if we're really lucky, maybe we can take take two years off because our partner earns enough to be able to support the family. so it's just trying to have that that foresight of okay, if I get 18 weeks from the government at um, the the minimum wage, which is around about 740 a week before tax, so 660 dollars a week um, take home. So that's 18 weeks that you, you're covered for. Which obviously we live in a pretty fortunate com- uh, country that we get that level of support. Um, but then it's just trying to look in. Okay, well if I'm going to take 12 months off. Where's, how are we gonna? How does that actually fit into our budget? Um, and just trying to again trying to plan that out financially. Mm. Um, and then the fourth one that I see is which probably the most expensive is the ongoing um, <laughs> child costs of childcare, schooling, <laughs> all those things post the first I guess the first twelve months. Everything in those first three are probably the first twelve months, and then after twelve months. Um, obviously depending on when you want to put your or when you have to put your, your child into to childcare if that's uh, if that's a need then the bills really start to pile up yeah they do especially when they want to do swimming and dancing and football and birthday parties <laughs> birthday, oh my gosh birthday, birthday parties <laughs> that's when the comparison starts to kick in oh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah it does and then your child wants their big party, plus then all the parties you've got to go to and all year round. So obviously, without trying to overwhelm um, your listeners about all these things to think about, <laughs> but the sooner we can start, like these are get, this is going to happen. Like these these costs are there, whether you're spending the two thousand mm. or the twenty thousand. But at some some stage, there's going to be a cost. Um, how much that is just depends, but. The, the sooner you can start planning for these things, um, the more informed you can be and the better prepared you can be, then obviously the better the, better the outcome is going to be. Um, I kind of see it as there's two, two major things that are going to happen during this, during this life event is there's obviously the emotional pain, which I'm sure you spend most of your time helping, helping your clients with, and then there's the financial pain. So... That's obviously where I come in. If we can remove some of that financial uncertainty or that financial pain by having putting some plans in place, 
then obviously that allows um, couples and parents to spend more time focusing on the the emotional side and, and getting through. Getting it's all about knowledge, isn't it? Like knowledge, tools, support. Like that's exactly, mm. it's like in every area of our mm. life to be able to have that support where you do have someone that can guide you through. I think that's, um, even whether it be a family member or a, a friend mm. or even someone like yourself, like just to be able to have just some guidance. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, mm. because we've got a budget. We've like my husband has <laughs> set out on the budget, but yeah, it's there. <laughs> we we know. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Well, like, and I every find... week, like, we need to sit down and we need to go through this and we need to, and then another week goes by and mm. like we're covering our costs and stuff, but we we're not. We've got the budget, but we're not using it. And I well, think I find that's... budgets budgets are really good because it tells you what you can spend, but it doesn't necessarily stop you from spending it. No, exactly, and that's that's my problem. <laughs> So there's a budget and then there's a spending plan of saying, okay, well, this is what we, we should be spending and then this is how we're actually going to spend it to making sure that your money is going into the right bank accounts or right buckets to obviously yeah, make yeah. sure you're meeting those goals. So I guess um, what what is the biggest financial mistakes maybe parents generally make that you find? I think it's just not not taking control or not, or not knowing of, of where they are. Just letting life get in the way because we all know that life does get in the way. Um, so it's, I wouldn't say it's, there's one particular mistake that people make, but it's just not being, or not, yeah, I guess not, not being, being conscious, in control. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. And it's just not living that week control. to week. The money's there. We pay the bills that we've got this week. Oh, what have we got left? Okay. We spend that, but there's no like a lot of forward planning of, no. well, that's where I'm at anyway. But it sounds <laughs> like this is what Ross has been able to help you with. Yeah. Uh, been amazing and even in the covid ross has you know came last week and we sat down and talked about what it looks like for us because anthony obviously his business has changed completely Mm. but yeah now we've got a plan moving forward and it makes it feel really in control and and that's where it's been it's been that shock car oh my gosh the money's running out everyone and you could see it in everybody just recently where everyone's panic mode oh my god this is it um and now like it's all the restrictions are lifting people are coming back to normal and people can spend more than they've done in a long time because they're back out in the shops. But for Anthony and I, having that control of knowing how much is in the bank, how much have we really got, and going back from a baseline of what looks different from what it was a year ago for us. But um, yeah, but what, what mistakes are you seeing the most of at the moment? Like, what is it? Yeah, I think just, just not being aware and not taking control. Um, so having, mm-hmm. probably not having any idea of what, what you spend or what it costs to be you. I would, I would say that's probably up there with one of the biggest issues, not so much a mistake, but the biggest issues of just not having any idea of what it actually costs you to live, um, which I find more and more people just don't, don't know. As I said, a lot of us know pretty, pretty closely to the dollar of what we earn, um, but you ask someone how much, how much they spend and you can quickly see the look in their face change. Um, <laughs> So it's just it's just being clear of okay what what does it actually cost me to live, and then the other not so much again not so much a mistake but one of the issues is not having clear goals, so not actually being intentional of what you're actually trying to achieve. So we all work incredibly hard. Um, work takes up so much of our time, and we're trying to obviously support our families and, and do everything that we're trying to do. But when you actually ask someone, like why, like, why are you working the 40, 50 hours a week? Like, what, what are we trying to do? Mm. Like, what is the actual goal? Um, and I usually find until we get super, super clear on that goal, people aren't going to change their, their habits or they're not going to change their behaviours unless that goal is big enough and it's going to pull them into a different direction. Because it's just so easy for us to get caught up in the day-to-day and just roll with it and just just keep paying that credit card bill or just keep paying that car loan and just keep keep rolling on that unless we change something nothing's going to going to change so again it's around whether you're having a baby or whether you're buying a house or whatever stage you're at usually those all come together in in one big heap for most people Mm. Um, but it's just been just been super intentional Um, so then when someone says hey do you want to do this or do you want to buy this or do you want to go on this trip or 
whatever it is, you can say, yes, yeah, that's part of my plan. That's part of my goal. I'm going to do that. Or no, that doesn't fit in my budget. Not so much I can't afford it. It's just that I have other other priorities. Um, and a, a big one for that, if, if someone's nine months away from, from having a baby, is there's probably going to need to be some sacrifices made to be able to get through this, this first 12 months, obviously, and beyond. Um, because obviously your, your family life's going to get flipped on its head, but obviously your financial budget's probably going to get flipped on its head as well. Um, so by having that really clear intention of what, is it, what are we actually trying to achieve here, then we can get super clear on, okay, what do we need to be saving each week? What do we need to be spending each week? What are we allowed to spend? What can we afford to spend? Um, and then we can start putting that budget, that budget in place and, and working backwards from there. Mm. And I know that some, I've, I've sort of mentioned you on an Instagram post a little while ago and I had quite a lot of response where people saying, you know, I really need to do this, but my partner's super resistant. Like mm. he won't even have this discussion for him. It's kind of, this is our private, our private business. I don't really want to share our finances with anybody. Um, and we don't need to see anybody. Uh, how, how have you seen this? I mean, you must have people that turn up as a couple and one's resistant and the other one's wanting to sort it out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really hard one. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how to, how to overcome it. It's, the way I, the way I kind of liken it to is if someone's got a drug problem um, or an addiction problem, unless they know that it's a problem or unless they admit it's a problem, then it's really, really difficult to change that behaviour. Mm. Um, but I, the way I try and overcome it, still obviously still a work in progress, but the way I try and overcome it um, or recommend people try and overcome it with their partners is having that, coming back to that goal, of unless that goal is big enough or clear enough, then someone's not going to change their behaviour. Mm. So if you have a partner, whether that's a husband or wife or girlfriend or whatever it is that's, that's not on board, I find it's usually because there's no, there's no goal of saying, well, why, why, why do I need to change? Why, why would I change? Um, because there's nothing to change for. Um, mm. So I think it's just... It's, it's difficult. There's no, there's, there's no, there's no way, uh, I guess, yeah, there's, no, there's no line about that, that it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's just trying to get them on board to say, well, this is what we, this is what I want for my life. These are the goals that I want to achieve. And right now we're nowhere close. We're not, we're not close to that or um, maybe we are or we just, yeah, we need it. Something needs to change. Mm. But, yeah, usually there's, there's one person that's the driver and the other person pulling them, pulling them along. I think for, for me, when we first met you, the light bulb moment was that you didn't go straight into the financial chat. You really did sit down and say, what does life look like? What do you want it to look like? You know, really tell us, tell me about that. And I think that was really great because it was that feeling of, yeah, I want to, I want to be on in control. I want to have savings. I want to be able to go and have that holiday without having to save up for two years for it. Um, and we, you did take us to the biggest goal vision. And then, you know, now we're working towards those visions now. So I think that was the best thing for us was knowing that you can have this if you know about your money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm sure it's like most things in, in relationships, just obviously trying, trying to communicate the best, <laughs> the best you can. So um, true. It just starts with even, it starts with the communicating. Yeah. And, I, and probably, uh, like you said, Shari, like both people taking responsibility, not trying to palm it off to one person or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, obviously it's, if you're in, in a relationship, it's, it's both your decisions or it's both your money. So it's just yeah. trying to be, be clear of uh, what does life actually look like for, for you. Very good point. Uh, and I think you must see some amazing, like what's the like, the biggest thing that you've seen like with people that you work with whether you've come to you maybe without anything and then what's been the best outcome that you've seen in your time so far as being a financial code um i had the, probably the most recent one which was a really it actually came um in the last i think it was the last maybe three or four weeks that obviously at the moment with everything going on um, in the world, it's been pretty dire. Some of the conversations I've been having with, with clients in terms of losing jobs and um, businesses closing down and things like that. So 
had someone that I've been working with um, and they were on pretty modest income and they were in, I think it was close to $35,000 worth of debt. So personal, personal loans, not home loans or anything. Um, and pretty, pretty modest um, income. And we put in place a plan that we had a goal of, I think it was, I think 18 months was the plan to try and get, it, get them paid off. Mm. And they, they called me and they said, I've just made that last, mortgage, that last loan repayment and I've paid the, paid the debt off and it was like two months prior to the goal oh, that we wow. had in place. And that was awesome because when they first came to me, they were obviously, like most people are, very emotional, in tears in terms of I'm never going to be able to get out of this. I like, feel embarrassed. I'm ashamed, like all these things. And like we do with most people, just sit down, set that goal, um, put a plan in place. And what was really good is he was telling one of his friends about it and said, look, we, I was able to do this. And the kicker was, which, which you mentioned, um, Nicola, about having the freedom to spend money on things was they actually went on two holidays in that time <laughs> and was still able to reach that goal. So obviously if they didn't go on those holidays, we would have paid it off a lot quicker. But part of the goal was I want to be debt free and I want to go on holiday. Mm -hmm. um, so being debt free, paying that off was fantastic. But then hearing that they were telling someone to say, well, I could do that and I went on holidays as well um, was, yeah, pretty, pretty good outcome. I thought because it, yeah, really, we were able to reach both those goals. Um, so if we just reached one of those goals of paying the debt off, we would have obviously succeeded, but not not entirely because we wouldn't have reached their second goal. So I guess you're also providing a bit of accountability, aren't you? Like continually re revisiting. It's no judgment. It's no, um, you know, what you know. You're not going to come down on them, but it's more like, okay, well, if it didn't work out this month, let's just it's it's just continually resetting. It sounds like. Well, it's the exact same role that a personal trainer plays with your, with your health and fitness. Um, and I find because we, I don't know, we get to that point that most people think they can manage money on their own, um, which obviously a lot of people can. But for some reason, it's, we quickly get a personal trainer. We quickly get coaches for, for everything. But if it seems for some reason that the finances is the last bit that we think that we should be able to do ourselves for whatever reason, even though it's the only thing we're not educated on. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's, it's just that accountability partner. Um, because generally we don't talk to our, what we might, but generally don't talk to our parents about our financial situation. Um, and we might be in our late twenties, thirties or forties. So we think, well, I should be able to do this. But if you've got no, no one looking at your accounts or no one, yeah, being that accountability buddy, then it's very easy just to spend and put things on after pay. Yeah, have the budget there, but not <laughs> actually work it. <laughs> um, and a lot of the times, like Nicola said, paying that counsellor role of, because most relationships, people, um, it's probably rare for people to see eye to eye all the time around money. Mm. Um, I can play that independent, non-judgmental yeah, third party. Um, whereas say, well, this is your budget. These are your goals. This is the plan. Why are we off track? Like what, what happened? Um, so, and obviously if, if you're in a, um, in a relationship, then you can be each other's accountability buddy. Um, that only sometimes goes so far before you start fighting. And it's about creating new habits though, isn't it? And that's what mm -hmm. something that you said, you know, becoming conscious, um, co conscious of, of your income conscious of your spendings creating that habit, and once you get into that habit and you learn that okay you can still live a life and have the things that you want and also you know kick some goals with financially as well um then that's where you i guess you've done you've done your work haven't you yeah so, um yeah definitely yeah really interesting yeah it's great so people are for our audience that are listening they don't need to see you face to face do they they can work with you how, how can people work with you? That's what I'm ultimately trying to ask. Yeah, so we, we work um, remotely. Obviously, the last couple of weeks, is, um, we were pretty much on that track anyway, but this has obviously just forced us even more um, to be, be remote. And we find for most people, they're super busy that to expect them to drive to an appointment, find parking, spend an hour and a half in a meeting and then drive home, pick up the kids or do whatever you need to do when you get home um, is sometimes a bit unrealistic. So 
obviously through the power of technology through Zoom, um, we're able to meet people in their comfort of their homes and talk to them online and, and get through the whatever we need to get through. So, what should people look for when engaging with a financial um, advisor, coach, planner? Because mm. we, my husband and I, did engage with one and gave us bad advice, and like it's literally put a bad taste in our mouth now. Like with you know, um, it was with property and things like that. So, yeah. what what should what, what should we look for to make sure that we're, we're choosing someone that we can trust and who's going to do the right thing by us and not, I guess, you know, make bad decisions, which then we pay for? Um, yeah. what, what qualifications and things should people be looking for? Yes, yeah, so I think qualifications is, is probably, it's a pretty good place to start. Um, and just on that around getting a bad, bad taste in your mouth, you're definitely not alone. And it's something that, me or us as an industry are trying to overcome um, because there's such a bad name. It's got such a bad rap of, of people losing money or people stealing money. And yeah, it's, it's been a pretty horrific um, past. So I think just asking, asking the person that you're going to be working with of, do they work with people that look like me or look like in, in my situation? So uh, previously before I started um, this business that I currently run, I was working for a large company up in Brisbane. And we were only allowed to work with older retirees that had lots of money to invest. Um, I then realised that the people in their 20s and 30s were going through the seven to 10 biggest life events that we experience, marriage, kids, buying a home, moving out of home, starting a business, starting their first kind of corporate job, all those things. Um, so I, that's when I transitioned to start working with those younger people. But not all financial planners work with younger people, mm. um, just like my preference is not to not necessarily to work with, with older people, um, even though we, we do work with some clients' parents and things like that. But not every financial plan is the same and everyone kind of works with certain people. So if someone says, I work with everyone, just come in, I'll, I can sort you out. Um, it's probably not a great place to start because you might be self-employed single parent or you might be a school teacher um, or you and your partner might both school teacher with no kids. Um, so it's just everyone's obviously got a different situation so it's just trying to find someone that actually works with people or have worked with people that have been in your situation so i think that's probably a great place to start is saying well do you work with people that look like me or have you worked with people that look like me um they might say well no sorry i only work with retirees that have a million dollars to invest yeah you say well okay well i'm gonna gonna move on um but i think with with obviously technology it's it's opened opened up the doors to allow us to work with people around the country as well as for clients to find someone to work with around the country. Um, so you're not necessarily having to walk up the street anymore or rely on the recommendations from your parents to find just that local um, financial planner to work with. And how does your, like, how, how do you provide that support? Can they come and just work with you once and you can help them put together a plan, but then it's up to them to be accountable for themselves? Or is, is it something that you only work with on, like, it's like a monthly basis? Um, do they have to, you know, have a contract with you or anything like that? Or do you have different options available? Yeah, so we, we have two, two ways people can work with us. Some people, they just need that one-off meeting to just check the box and say okay am i on track or is what i'm doing right um they just need someone to, to verify what they're what they're doing so we usually find um i'm sure you've you've probably seen it but there's the barefoot investor book so mm. we usually find there's two people two types of people one person reads that they will do everything themselves they want to just come in for a meeting just to say is it okay what i'm doing am i on the right track yes okay great they might just come in for one meeting, provide them with a little bit of help, and then we never speak to them again. Other people usually read the book, come in and say, I've just read the book. What the hell do I do next? <laughs> yes. Um, so we, we offer those, those two types. Me, of, I've got the book. I haven't even read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> or there's that third type of person. Um, <laughs> so generally we, we have um, kind of standalone, just we call them financial check-in meetings where it's just come in, have a, a one-off consultation or maybe two or three consultations and they remain in control of their money. They kind of just want to do things their own. So they're more of the DIY type person. Otherwise, other people just want to delegate it and say, 
I just need someone to hold me accountable and let's let's kind of get started and get get going. So we generally offer an initial six month relationship where we kind of work through the steps of putting in place the budget, putting in place a plan to take care of the debt. Um, maybe it's looking at insurances and um, family protection, which is something I'll I'll come back to. Um, so that initial six months, we kind of get them financially organised and get them financially sorted, um, figure out where everything is and kind of put the things in place. And then for people that need it, an ongoing relationship from there, we have a month-to-month um, kind of plan like you would with a personal trainer where we check in each month, we provide a, a budget and we provide a spending report of what their spending, spending were the previous month. Um, we have accountability check-ins every three months and we're there to kind of hold their hand more and, and work with them on an ongoing basis. Um, so we're, we're pretty flexible in terms of in that regard, just depending on what people need. But um, coming back to your original question about what you should look for, one of the big things with the financial planning industry is how people charge their fees, mm. which usually causes a lot of, a lot of angst and um, uncertainty for people. So generally most people worked on a commission based or a percentage based fee where if you had a couple of hundred thousand dollars in your superannuation, I would charge a fee based on how much money that I invest for you. Um, Or if I put in place a life insurance policy, you don't actually pay me as the client. I get paid from the insurance company or from the financial product that I put in place for you. So there becomes some sort of conflict where in, in your case, we just said about property, which is usually another big one of, well, if I put you with a property company or an insurance company, is it actually in your best interest to do that? Or is it just the company that I'm going to get paid the most amount of money from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we work on a flat fee basis where the only way that we get paid is from our clients, whereas other financial planners don't necessarily work that way. It's slowly moving towards that. Um, but you just want to just be 100% clear of, what the financial plan or financial coach you're working with, what their fee structure is and how do they actually get paid and who's, and who's paying them. Um, so that's, that's a really, really big one. Yeah. Good point. Mm, yeah. Um, but obviously everything that, that we do and how we work is, is all outlined on, on our website. If anyone's interested to, to have a look at that. Excellent. And what, what is your website? It is moretimefinancial.com.au. Perfect. So just something that I might come back to, which we skimmed over a little bit, um, that would be really interesting for for your listeners, is the importance of a family protection plan. Mm. Um, So while we're talking about obviously saving money and and having money set aside for all the costs that come come with having a baby, there's the big one around um, the importance of life insurance and wills and estates. So these are two areas which... You talk about people avoiding those conversations about money. These are usually the last two things that people want to even consider or start the conversation about. So um, anytime that we have debt and we have a family to care for, there's a, becomes an almost like almost a non-negotiable of the need for life insurance. Um, now, no one likes talking about it. No one likes paying for it. Um, it's a, annoying and frustrating process to go through but as I said if you've got a family that you're caring for and you've got debt then it's almost like a non-negotiable there's just an absolute need to have some sort of insurance in place um, that in the event of something happening happening to you to yourself your partner or one of your family members that you have that financial blanket or that insurance there to cover cover you financially um, and also if you have um, in most relationships there's someone that's the, the main income earner um, and if someone's taking time off work to have a baby and you're down to one income, that person who's working, their income becomes a necessity. Mm. So there's things like income protection that you can put in place to make sure that if they're unable to work for whatever reason, um, through illness or injury, that there's an insurance policy that will make sure that their income will continue to be paid um, so those are just two things that um, we spend a lot of time with our clients with um, to making sure that they're protected financially so that it's, again, just one less thing to have to worry about because obviously over a nine-month 
um, pregnancy, there's millions of things that are going to be happening. So if we can just remove some of the, that uncertainty or that stress, um, then obviously that's going to help um, make the whole process a little bit, little bit easier. Um, and the other one around there is wills, wills and estates. So again, a very, very adult topic about putting in place a will. Um, but again, when, when you have a family and you've got, got children to care for, it's almost like it, it's just a non-negotiable that we need to have something in writing that says in the event of me or my partner or both of us passing away, what happens to our money, what happens to our children if they're under 18, who do we nominate as a guardian that will take care of them? In most cases, it's the surviving parent or um, the, the grandparents or maybe it's a friend or, or something like that. But those are just the, the, the conversations and things you need to put in place that are, as I said, they're, they're just a non-negotiable. Um, but unfortunately, far too many people don't um, want to or don't. Never will. We've, we've just, <laughs> we just did it. And it was really hard to have that discussion to, for us because we don't have any family in this country either. So, yeah, we've um, reached out to our, our extended you know, distant family who are very close to us. So we've asked them, but. Yeah, I can imagine. Because it's something that I keep talking about, but I just never do. Mm. <laughs> it's really, it was quite a big conversation. It actually brought out quite a lot of fear for us, mm. but it was good to get it done. And yeah, I feel much more in control of that now. You've definitely given me lots to think about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just want to take a moment to say thank you for your time. I think mm. there's, there's definitely, this is a, a topic that I think is so important that no one actually talks about. Yes. And you were, you're the first male on our podcast, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, we really appreciate you, you sharing your tips and um, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes to your website so if anyone, mm. no matter where they are, um, can get some advice or work with you. Um, and I think I need to go home and have a conversation with my husband now. <laughs> it, <laughs> thank you. Had a, um, had just a couple of things that you might, whether to include or, or put in the show notes, but just a couple of final tips to, to wrap up on. Um, as I said, at start, start planning as early as possible, as early as practically possible um, for, for all these things. Um, register yourself on Centrelink um, ASAP. So um, generally you need to wait for um, the birth certificate and the, the, birth, um, yeah, the birth certificate before you can access benefits, but you can get registered and you can get set up Again, just trying to remove any of those things that um, take a little bit of time. So the, the, qu the quicker you can do those things, the better. Um, and as I said, if you can live or plan to live on one income, so run a budget on obviously both incomes to get an understanding of where you are and then move, remove one income and just trying to see how that budget looks so you can get an idea of if it's possible to take, take time off work post those 18 weeks. Um, and if you're thinking about putting your kids into childcare, try and plan for that as early as possible because there's obviously waiting lists um, mm. and things that become um, a little bit of a nightmare. Um, and finally, the, the, the one other thing that I had was people trying to do everything all at once. And what I mean by that is they either get into a relationship or might get married. Obviously, this is happening less and less um, in today's society but usually I find somebody that gets married or starts a relationship they start a family or they get pregnant and then it's okay well we're married we're pregnant we can't be renting that's ridiculous we need to buy a house because you can't raise an infant in a rent like in a rental so we need to buy a house so then we add these three enormous financial burdens all in one in a space of 12 to 24 months Mm -hmm. we yep. pay for a marriage we're paying for a wedding having a baby and then trying to buy a house that's um, me that was me yeah <laughs> we feel like we found out we were pregnant and we got married within i think i, I was i made him marry me before i had the baby <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we found out we we're pregnant in the november got married in the january and bought a house in the june <laughs> well played well yeah played. I moved in at 37 weeks pregnant. Yeah, so I've done, I know exactly where you're yeah. going from. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, obviously, the ideal would be that you're in your own home, you're, you, you're not renting, and, and all those things would be great. 
but it's like it doesn't really matter no. if you have a baby and you're renting or if you're living with your parents like it's going to be okay like there's just trying to remove that judgment of and putting that extra pressure on yourself is is crazy um so yeah. yeah thank you. What a good wrap up. Thank you, Ross, for joining us today. No you problem. Are, um, yeah, the third person in our marriage. <laughs> in the nicest way. <laughs> oh, thank you for, for being on. Yeah, Ross. Thank you. We hope this episode has helped you on your own journey. We would love it if you can subscribe and leave a review and help us to spread the word of positive pregnancy and birth. We would like to personally invite you to join our Nurture Hub online community where you can connect with other women and be mentored by us one-on-one -on -one in one of our future episodes. It's so important to feel connected and nurtured through this time and we would love to support you. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.